I'm Charles and welcome to 22nd Century, a podcast exploring the next greatest technological marvels, debunking myths and discovering the next big thing. I'll be interviewing a new guest every fortnight to discuss a different emerging technology and uncover its impacts on our society over the next 100 years. Today, I spoke to Richard Ballard, co-founder of Growing Underground, an urban farm situated right under Clapham Common Tube Station. Hi Richard, thank you very much for um, letting me come along to the farm. Hi, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> um, so the first kind of thing I would like to do is just obviously ask you to just introduce yourself, um, how you got involved in growing underground, where kind of the business is at, just top line. Okay, so, uh, so my name's Richard, I'm one of the co-founders of Growing Underground. Um, this all started back in 2012, myself and Steve, my business partner, came together um, and uh, came up with this sort of concept. This came sort of out of my studies, uh, I did a film degree and some of my things I was looking at on that film degree about hidden London and about future cities sort of merged into the idea and the sort of concept really of Growing Underground. Um, and then myself and Steve pushed that forward. Um, currently we are, um, we've been here for six, nearly coming into seven years now, but for sort of two years in production. So a lot yeah, of the time was prior to that was the, you know, sorting things out and uh, getting the site sorted and getting investment and, and building the site. So we're currently now supplying into, um, some of the major retailers like Marks and Spencer's, Waitrose, Ocado, Whole Foods, Planet Organic. Uh, and to uh, food servicing to Newcomer Garden Market, obviously, which is just down the road. Yeah. And um, we are now about a team of about 20 people. Um, and um, growing yeah, fast. We're, we are growing fast. Yeah, pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, our plan is to, to expand this site out. We're currently in about, using about 20% of it. And okay. We're looking to expand into the rest of the tunnel. Cool. Um, the first question I was just going to ask you is, the, what's the biggest misconception or myth people have about what you do about the farm or how you how you grow right uh i think one of the, the uh separately from that one of the big mis- misconceptions is the size of it i said everyone thinks it's actually much smaller than it is and when they get down there they realize it's actually quite exactly big classic, yeah. yeah um but yeah the main mis- misconception is i suppose would be the um the difference from this to conventional agriculture mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and and how this is uh, futuristic or um, unnatural um, and, and all these are quite fair points um, we've had 10,000 years of agriculture uh, which isn't actually natural either it's, uh, it's a man-made but obviously using yeah. soil and the sun and, and natural things to grow um, and, and what we're about as a company we're not here to replace that word and this is not how we think even though we think this is definitely a growing industry in the future mm-hmm. we'll be growing more crops and more different varieties uh, possibly even um you know in 20 30 years possibly even um um the staples you know like wheat soy and maize but for now this is this isn't looking at replacing that in in any way it's about complementing it and doing it in a different way and i think this really works at the, at the moment for um um, um, salad crops, you know, um, yeah. that, that um, have a, a shorter shelf life, growing closer to city, 
Utes, saving space, you know, we actually use very little space when you grow things on top of each other in a vertical stack. Um, but yeah, I think the misconception is the, the um, natural uh, farming methods versus um, futuristic and yeah. uh, some people are a little bit um, concerned about that. Although a lot of produce that they potentially buy already comes from uh, hydroponically grown. There's a lot of hydroponically Maybe grown. Maybe people aren't even aware of. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of um, large establishments that are growing in glass, that are growing this sort of crop, um, or, or our, our salad crops in the UK because of the temperature. and probably having nine months of the year where it's quite cool and, yeah. and uh, are growing in a glass house with um, LED lights to supplement the, the day, the length of the day, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and using very similar methods to what we're using. Um, we just basically copied that model, put it underground because of the temperature saving uh, for the crops that we grow, which need between 20 and 25 degrees. Conventional growers in, in, in glass houses or greenhouses mm -hmm. using the same equipment that we use, and we pretty much just copy that model, put it downstairs, yeah. and then all that we're doing that's different is we're using 100% um, uh, artificial light, um, and um, uh, um, rather than the, nat the natural light. And we get the same from that. I mean, the plant plants don't use all of the spectrum that they get from the sun anyway. Um, the only thing we're getting that's different or we're not getting from the sun, um, which is the ultraviolet light element of the spectrum, because that's quite expensive to recreate in LEDs, yeah. even though they can do that now. Is there is there a detriment to not using, apart from what was the UV, it, from missing out on the UV, is that a is that a bad thing for the plants? Like, um, are they any different? Do they taste any different? There's no taste difference. I mean, we've done the taste growth test. Different. <laughs> growth difference. You can change the growth different. Okay. Uh, you can have more, more, more elongated, more bushy crop, mm -hmm. depending on the light spectrum. You can force sugars and starches and different flavours from different light spectrums. Yeah. But it's, it's still very relatively unknown. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the light spectrum that we can see is between 400 and 700 nanometers. Mm -hmm. And the, that spectrum goes on for infinity pretty much. And so you can see where there's, there's, there's only a small amount that we actually see. Yeah. So, um, so it's, um, there's, there's a lot still to learn, I think, on, on uh, um, the spectrum, light spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then, so obviously you guys are underground, um, where we are now, underground. Um, but I would just like to kind of know, you know, why why underground compared to going vertically? Because there's a lot of talk, you know, in the media or in future press um, about going up. Yeah. Especially in skyscrapers in cities. Um, why down? And if and if down is better, or if if, if you think they're just as good, um, do is there a limit onto the number of places that we can grow underground in terms of tunnels? Do you right? Yeah. Um, so the reason we went under was because we actually did look at going uh, vertical before, mm -hmm. um, but we saw that the real estate within um, uh, cities is constantly increasing. So it's, it's very difficult to be competitive with space above ground within yeah. a city. Um, but you could do that just outside a city. There's no problem on that, depending on your method of the delivery um, and bringing stuff in. You know, if you're, uh, if you're using for us, if you're using um, uh, um, green vehicles or you know uh, um, electric vehicles that um, mm -hmm. are more sustainable, but there's there is issues around the technology with that, with having refrigeration to deliver as well, because you don't get the the, the miles that you would get from uh, standard fuel at the moment. At the moment, that will obviously change in the future. Um, but um, so we looked at both models. Um, we decided on the ground. 
because of the cost of the, 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 the real estate, which is just mm-hmm. over a pound per square foot, much different to anything I've yeah. um, and then, But then after trialing it and doing the trials we've done on, on the site, we realized there was a lot of other added benefits we didn't realize before that, that, um, that came out of that. And one of them is being an insulated tunnel with 100 foot of earth above us. We've got a stable temperature of about 15 degrees year round. The crops that we grow prefer between 20 and 25. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a relatively small increase. So whether it's four degrees, minus four degrees outside or 30 degrees outside, it's pretty much 15 degrees downstairs. Uh, other than the ventilation that's drawn in, which warms it up or cools it down slightly. Um, but we can control that. Um, it's not a huge change. And when you get to the middle of the tunnel, that doesn't, it, it's dissipated and, and balanced out and has reached its sort of equilibrium. So, so it's um, so for us, it, it's a much easier area to control as a controlled environment, which mm-hmm. is um, so it's easier to control the temperature, the humidity, CO two, uh, and, and air uh, movement within that space. Uh, obviously, enabling us to control the crop and, mm-hmm. and, and have a, a, a consistent crop coming out as and when we require and our yeah. customers require cutting out food waste in, in the long term. What kind of foods are you growing at the moment? And what kind of barriers or limitations are there from from going from, um, you know, more salad based products to something like, you know, apples, pears, or barley, or wheat? <coughs> um, so, I'm currently growing microgreens. Um, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the high end of the market. This is still a relatively new technology. Yeah. Um, I like to sort of describe it. Somebody said once that um, um, this is this sort of industry is pretty similar to. Where uh, computers were in the '60s, where big mainframes and you see how carry them around with you. Yeah, exactly, and we, we've we've progressed since that with computers, and, and this industry will do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, we, we're currently growing uh, leafy greens, baby leaf, and uh, pea shoots, ra- radish, mm-hmm. all on a micro le- level. Uh, salmon rocket, um, uh, garlic chive. Um, and the reason for this is we can turn that crop round in anything from five to twenty days. So much, um, quicker, much quicker turnaround. Yeah, uh, but they are much smaller. Okay. But um, micros, um, as you probably saw downstairs, are we're using the same seed for a coriander plant, a full-grown coriander yeah. plant, as we are for a micro. The benefit you're getting is you're getting lots of small plants. Mm-hmm. So in so you've got intense flavour, and that's that's what the interest is from. Uh, the, the consumer and the, yeah. um, the chef um, but you also and there's some studies that show that you get a lot more nutrient because obviously each seed has its is it is um, has its sort of nutrient yeah. packed into that and you're yeah. getting a lot more plants in a smaller area and again that reflects in the price because we're using a lot more seed mm-hmm. than, than um, what you would use um, for doing conventional herbs so if you were to grow it if you were to grow if you were to grow those nor- like in a, I don't know, in a in a normal field right above ground if you were to grow the herbs that you were using, effectively they would grow to the same size as normal agriculture, or are they specifically designed for? Oh yeah, they would. Yeah, they exactly, would. Yeah, but the only thing is, we're growing them in a very dense environment, a dense uh, close together. In a tray. And in if a tray. we did it like that, then you get problems as it grew bigger because you've got almost uh, like when you grow too many carrots in the tub. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't see little carrots at all. It's just like the roots. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay. um, so and you would probably get like mold and various things. So we grow. Okay, we've got a density to the height that we grow, and then we harvest and. We know that we've done a lot of tests on that to make that to get that right, um, but yeah, I mean, with the technology, um, I, I see as I said with the technology, the advancements in technology, the advancements in light spectrums, yeah. um, uh, the um, 
the cost of, of energy, um, even though at the moment it's going up. I think with certainly if we develop a system where we have um, lots of producers of energy uh, on a small scale, green energy, everyone producing um, uh, solar um, uh, electricity from solar PV on their roofs. You guys are running renewable energy as well, right? We, yeah, so the whole site's powered by um, good energy, which nice. comes across the grid to us, and we don't produce our own energy, but everything we use is, is good green. And, and I don't see this working any other way than using green energy, mm -hmm. because it's, it's energy intensive, you're using lights. Yeah. If you're using that from a conventional source, then for me it doesn't stack up. You've got to be using it for some sort of renewable. Or, yeah. um, uh, so, um, for, you know, like, talking about the planet as a whole, and, and which is the, which is the aim, which is the aim of all of us to yeah. to reduce carbon emissions and and, and, uh, and address that. So, um, so as that technology advances, I think it's possible with light spectrum to reduce energy prices to start growing more crops and be becoming um, uh, competitive with. Like the moment for in the UK, we can't compete with uh, a company that's growing heads of lettuce. We could grow ahead of lettuce, yeah. but it'd be more expensive than the conventional. Pretty much based on the energy. Based on the energy, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, the technology's more or less there. Isn't there's probably a little bit more work to be done in the next mm -hmm. five years. That potentially will be there, but it's still cheaper to produce a head of lettuce in Spain and drive it up. And, Which is uh, insane. Which yeah. is insane. Like. Yeah. Well, um, and. And um, um, you know we're we're run on economics and uh, and that's how uh, <laughs> you've got to do all makes profit at the end of the day exactly and and um, so the um, so so but then moving on from that in the next maybe ten to twenty years you know it's going to be more cost effective to do it with um, soft fruits um, maybe cucumbers and, and other um, salad crops and then who knows in twenty plus years we could be doing likes you know the, the staples like wheat soy maize um, and and the benefit of that is that the more that humans impact the planet by expanding we're going to increase population next to two billion people expected on the planet we've all got to eat we've all got, um, we've all got to live and, um, and exactly and, and we are we're spreading out across the world into natural sort of habitats and, and and agriculture is a big um, part of that so if we can grow more food in a smaller space um, on, you know, and start growing stacks of uh, soy on the outskirts of a city in Brazil, then maybe we don't need to cut down the Amazon to That's true. create agricultural land. And then they can supply themselves locally as well. Exactly. Brazil can supply Brazil, England can supply England. Exactly. Um, just, uh, just continuing to touch on the sustainability, how important are things like the sustainable development goals to you guys and how does that fit in with your values as a business and what you do, whether it be um, growing the crops or packaging or... Yeah, I mean, it's really, the, the UN's United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are very important. Um, I actually sit on a board called Fast Forward 2030, right. um, which is looking to um, uh, inspire and, and, uh, and, and get um, small businesses involved in achieving the United Nations uh, SDGs. Um, we've been doing this business longer than they've been around, so we've our values were, were well, there before they. But but we 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 are yeah working towards several of those, and and that's very important. I think it's uh, something we've all got to um, look at. With I, I don't think any business starting today can start a business that isn't sustainable. You've yeah. got to have that. You've got to have that consideration, and, and and you're seeing that with. The generations, millennials think much differently to our generation, and uh, and that's already embedded in in their their psyche. From you know, it's 
uh, you've grown almost, up with, almost birth. Yeah, yeah. You've grown <laughs> up with uh, with the um, the issues of the planet more relevant uh, than, than than I did when I was growing up. I was unaware, and a lot of people were unaware. Awesome. I'd love to do a, a little quick fire round with you. Go for if it. That's alright. Um, so just so you can't see it before. Um, so with Christmas dinner, sprouts or no sprouts? Um, sprouts. <laughs> uh, favorite vegetable to eat? Um, favorite vegetable. I love all vegetables. I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan. Um, I'm quite into fennel at the moment. Okay. In, in, a, in a in a soup, fennel and tarragon. Nice. Together, so. And uh, and to grow, to grow. Um, it's got to be micro hairs, haven't it? <laughs> the keep keep joke. Um, mayo or ketchup? Neither. M S or Waitrose? <laughs> Couldn't possibly say. Okay. Um, early riser or night owl? Um, early riser. Uh, Amazon or Waterstones? Amazon. And your favourite tube line? Victoria. How come? Because I live in St. Newton and I come to work on the Victoria line. It's generally pretty quick. I thought it would be the Northern line because you guys are like four below the Northern line. Um, unfortunately, uh, this morning it was held up, but uh, generally it's very reliable. That's okay. Um, and then the final question I'd just like to ask you is, we've touched on this briefly, um, but just where do you see the future of growing underground in the next, over the next 100 years? Um, and, and kind of <clears throat> urban farming in general, whether it's vertical, whether it's below ground, where do you see the industry moving? Um, and for you guys, I mean, so I would like to see a system where the, there's a there's a mixture of both uh, conventional agriculture and mm -hmm. this new technology, and I think there's there's um, with soil degradation and lots of reports coming out from the UN that we've got sixty to hundred years left of soil. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see that be replenished, and that could be done by um, a proper collection, a food collection system, composting back onto the land, and yeah. this circular economy. And growing, you know, a, a, a lot of our crops still in the soil, but but I think for the next ten years, um, this industry will grow um, rapidly, predominantly with um, leafy greens, mm -hmm. heads of lettuce, microgreens, that sort of thing. Um, then probably the next sort of phase after that will be introducing, as I mentioned, the cucumbers, yeah. the uh, peppers, the other side crops, uh, and then um, and, and some soft fruits. Um, and, and maybe baby root vegetables and, and that will who knows where this technology will go but hopefully that will lead on to producing the staples um, mm -hmm. like wheat, soy, maize and, and, and sort of enable current sort of threatened agriculture land from soil degradation um, and, and other areas like rainforest to yeah. replenish and, and go back to the natural form. Do you think it will be mostly smaller companies or players or businesses that are kind of like set, setting up um, or do you think it'll be big agricultural companies or kind of farmers with like hundreds of acres suddenly moving into it? Or where do you think the shift will be? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, knowing the industry through people that we have on our board and yeah. people that we uh, um, com uh, communication with, there's a mixture on that. Some of the bigger companies are a bit more forward thinking and you know, you're looking at this as well. Whereas some are sort of held back, and you know, uh, the big landowners, they their their business is soil. Yeah. So you know, they they probably will look at this, but they're not looking to to transform that. Uh, and rightly so, because I don't think we are going to have this massive change, and where it all goes to one or the other, it's yeah. a mixture. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's predominantly 
smaller or younger um, um, entrepreneurs coming out with ideas like this and, and, and it's going to be a mixture under, over, um, you know, in greenhouses still, yeah. the, the, the way we've been doing it for a long time. But just, yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be very interesting in the next uh, you know, 20 years. Super. I think coming from a farming background, I think it's really interesting to see all the different players and businesses doing it differently. Super. Thanks Thanks a lot, Richard. Thanks Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on the iTunes store if you're listening on an Apple device. It helps us out massively. And subscribe to hear about all the other exciting new emerging technologies we're going to uncover next. If you've got any examples of any companies or technology that we should be speaking to, then also please let me know. I'll leave all the ways of getting in contact with me down in the show notes. Thanks.